All right, we're back again. Josh Reed and I sitting down talking about training. And today it is official that Spartan Race canceled the season. So there's no more races to train for for those of us who are Spartan racers. But we encourage you to continue to train, to continue to make progress. So Josh and I, we give you some routes to take that can help you become a better athlete and where you can do with your, your current progress and how to continue to build on that with different volume and different intensity. So really it's just kind of a roadmap on what you should do now that there are no races. And this is a strange time because usually you build up for a race, then you race, then you rest, and then you start again. So we give you some ideas of what you can do to continue that progress. So we talk about what you can do for uh, the runner who has some experience in obstacle course racing, the beginner obstacle course racer, and a couple places in between if you're more frequent on the mountains, if you're more prone to be on the roads, and different routes you can take um, to continue to improve on your fitness. Cool. So a lot of good stuff. Just hope to give you some good takeaways so that you can keep it rolling. All right. Here's my guy, Josh Reed. Okay, we're on. What's up, Josh? Hey, bud. How the heck are you? I uh, I'm well, man. I'm rested. For some reason, like the past two nights, I've slept so freaking good. Didn't wake up once. Maybe I'm just really? uh, maybe I'm just not drinking as much water before bed, so I don't have to like get up in the middle of the night. You know. We talked about that before. Like, I definitely have a hard cutoff time on that because I don't want to get up and, and and run to the bathroom. That that does disturb me. I don't go back to sleep right away. Literally, um, run. Do you get up and start running? Yeah. Just sprint. <laughs> You just like, that you back. like a wake up, like a half wake up, and you're like in denial. I don't really need to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it better? Is it better to like just like come to the realization, and just get up right away, or do you try sure. to fight it? It's no, better. Don't fight it. <laughs> yeah, it. I definitely fight it. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Shut up. Then you fall Shut that you, signal down. You fall asleep and then you like dream about it. You're like, oh shit. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> just keep peeing the bed. Still yeah, pee in the bed. No. It's like, no. um. Yeah, dude. So did you see the Spartan season got canceled? The entire 2020 season is canceled. Now, is that just for the U.S.? Because I feel like I saw someone post, maybe it was Sam Heather, he posted something about Canada. Or is it just flat out every event in the world is canceled? I don't think every event in the world. I'm not sure about the Canadian series. Um, I think the other places that have contained this thing might be able to do events. Um, Canada's being pretty strict, I think. So I wouldn't imagine they would allow um, events happening there. Or at least we'll let us go up there. We won't go. No, no, no. We definitely can't go. Yeah, yeah, so there's no Spartan racing for anybody here in the the States this year. If you live in the States, you're probably not going to be getting your free beer ticket, your finisher shirt um, at a race. That's probably not something that's going to be happening. On the plus um, side, we get to look forward to a perhaps new t-shirt design. Mm? Yeah. What do you think? I thought about that. Cause I have like, I have one, you have one too from Greek peak, right? Yeah, so yeah. like, are those like going to be a collector's editions? Like the one race to like, like there's probably gone on five or six races that happened and only a select amount of people have the 2020 version. Do they have the year posted on the shirt? No, you just kind of okay. have to know. Okay. Like, you'll see one say- and be like, huh? That's an old one. That was a smart move on their part. Like, okay, sweet. We can recycle these to next year. <laughs> sometimes sometimes I'll see other – I would imagine they should. Sometimes I see people wearing like older like Spartan shirts and I'm like, I'm like oh, I should have a conversation with that person. I was like, oh, what's up? Is you do Spartan race? But then I see it's like from like 2014. I'm like, they don't really – they did a Spartan race, but they don't do Spartan races. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't mm-hmm. do them. Like that little cotton gray shirt. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like – 
like the the black fit it's just all black um logos and there's like some like there's one that has like a cool like design on the shoulder that was before my time but even then even like from when i started i'm like looking at it, i'm like eh. and i always know which race they did if what based on the colors like oh you did palmerton oh sweet you did vernon nice man that's no joke dude i think um, it was i think what's your like what's your favorite of the years that you have been doing spartan what year do you think was like your favorite t-shirt design Oh man, I don't know. Last year's was kind of cool. I thought that was the vertical, right? Like, yeah, I thought that. Offset? I like that. I thought that was fun, and they did some like different stuff. Like it was nice. This Tahoe one had the one that said World Championship on it. I thought that was cool. I held on to that one, and my uh, my the ultra I did the ultra shirts are cool. Like the coloring is cool, and they're and they're unique, right? Like you you don't see them that often, so I held on to that one too. But the rest I just ditch. I don't oh, have yeah, any, there's so any many years. Man. There's so many. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting rid of this one because I just don't it doesn't fit that well, like, but it might be a collector's edition. So yeah, my, my Greek peak long sleeve. Cause they do the long sleeve since it's cold yeah. out. Like mm-hmm. it's, a weird, it's a weird fit. It's like a bell bottom. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the Greek peak ones. Cool. Because it's a little bit different. Um, but also did you see, we, we talked about this for like a minute, but what do you think about uh, Joe DeSena's quote unquote announcement on ORM? Oh, the, the hundred thousand dollar like uh, rodeo at his, at his farm in August. Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the pros. I uh, probably not going to happen, but something he's so he just did this quiet event a little while ago, the twenty four hour event, um, and then you know he has like this little kid camps going on. Anyone that listened to the Rogan podcast with him heard about that. That's pretty funny, mm-hmm. but but cool. I can dig it. Uh, but yeah, I think he he's. I think he'll do something. He'll pull off something there. I just wonder of what magnitude. I think that it it would. It has to be pretty simple for Joe himself to handle it, you know, or else he's going to have to bring in other people to actually structure it and do and like deal with things logistically of having, you know, like the whole pro team there. You're not going to have the whole pro team there. You could reach out and like put your feelers out. It's like who wants to come compete. And I mean, if you know, if it ends up being 20 people, I'm like, no, you're not going to throw a hundred grand across 20, 20 people. And it's unnecessary. You know, it'd be great. It'd be awesome. It would be awesome for sure. Everyone's going to, everyone's a winner. <laughs> And that was something that uh, Matt B. Davis challenged him on. It's like, is this a real $100,000 or is it like the million dollars you put out there for the ultra? It's like, hey, we're going to offer this a million dollars up, but the only catch is it's impossible. So yeah. you're not going to earn it. Uh, I like it, that, that was something he's like, no, no, I'll actually do it. But I think, he, I don't think he under, he from, you know, this is all speculation. I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about his mindset. Um, but no, and, Rich, I need to hear you speak with more conviction than that. Pretend like you know. Uh, after I spoke with him, he, but like he just, I don't think he understands what the sport of obstacle course racing is. I think he knows what the challenge is. And I think he has this idea of what it's like for like the mentality and what he wants people to kind of like get out of themselves. But I don't think he knows what it's like to train the way that we train. And I don't think he knows what like how to put an event on for athletes like us. Um, yeah, I was, so, uh, I was proud of Matt. He, he said, Joe, Joe said, we'll do this event, this event, this event, like end with the death race. And Matt said, dude, no, these are like real athletes. They don't just want to like lift rocks for you and build, build something in your backyard. Like they want real races. They train for a specific thing, not to just like get tossed around and beat up. So, uh, so yeah, recognizing like what these athletes are doing and how they actually work, you know, there has to be an appropriate event. And like, he'll need his team to do that. And his team was, is probably going to be like, how are we supposed to do this? Especially August. August is like now. It's, it's, it's now ju- yeah. it's July thirtieth. Like, there's no way he's gonna get something up by by August. And like, 
And so I'm sure like his team had a freaking heart attack. It's like, oh my God, what? But, uh, but, but like thinking about it, like in, in terms of an event, uh, I would imagine he like, you know, um, he would get uh, Yancey in on it, right? Like that's his boy, like Yancey would come in, he would kind of program things and maybe they, they work with the teams like Garfield or, um, oh crap, I forget the other guy, uh, uh, Trail Master Hammond and to kind of like design some stuff out there that would be Woody. something appropriate. <laughs> yeah, have Woody out there. Um, and that would be something that I could kind of envision. But like, Josh, in your mind, if there was a five, he mentioned five days, but again, I, he was just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if there was a combined like competition spread over several days, like what would you want to see there? Yeah, yeah, I I saw it as kind of like a combine as well. Um, but what would I want to see there? I mean, if they're smart, they'll prog- they'll do like a proper progression. I mean, if you're gonna have it go five days, like the CrossFit Games, probably want to test different systems. Maybe do like mm-hmm. some some shorter stuff, like some of this more obstacle specific. You know, like a short course obstacle course race, and then like later on in the day or the next day, you have you know like a, a straight up sprint, and then uh, you know maybe do something easy the next day or it's hard to say i mean five days in a row of actual competition that's pretty that's pretty rough i mean especially if you have a lot of high performers who want to win every everything it's going to be we'll take it to that point yeah but the cool thing would be is the strategy that would come into play it's like Mm -hmm. okay if you if you know the events so if you didn't know the events that's one thing and that's difficult you probably just got to go balls to the wall for the whole thing and hope that you hit your spot but if you know the events you can look at it and think okay this is the event that I'm really going to make my move in. This is the one where I know I can kind of like slack off in or whatever. But yeah, I thought about that too. Is like, is that the best way to go about it? Like if you know you won't do well in an event, do you just toss it in and then do, and then just save it for something else? Cause like at the CrossFit games, they kind of have to do that where they put themselves in position to not get buried. Um, in events that they know they can like potentially win or like, but they'll take eighth because they know that they can be there and, uh, and that's fine. Where there's other events that are like the swim events for people and they just can't really do it and they come in like 40th and it ruins the CrossFit games. But like, yeah, that's how, that's kind of how I was thinking about it as well. But for the first time, I can't imagine. But what events specifically, Josh, would you want for yourself? Uh, Like short course would be just up and down his mountain, which I think he said is like two or three miles with a little over a thousand feet of gain. That's that's a bath. That's a lactic, lactic bath. That'd be fun. Some short like that. Uh, just do like, I think some DecaFit stuff would be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, just cause I haven't done it. I mean, from what I've seen a lot of the DecaFit stuff, I, I, I don't even know if I want to say it. It looks like not super hard. Everything's hard when you go, go hard. Right. It's not heavy, but like, it's not, it's not complicated. It's not the, the big whole point skills. of the thing is to do it at a, like the whole, go through and through high octane. So which makes it harder to me. Like, harder. The effort becomes harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed high rocks a little more because the actual, like the sled was just straight up heavy mm-hmm. and you're just grinding it out, sitting there. Uh, so that kind of stuff I like, but I, I'd like to see a little bit of the deca. So, so sprint up and down the mountain, a little bit of deca, uh, some, some traditional Spartan stuff, but maybe with like some of, from what I've heard, people would probably call it the quote unquote old school obstacles. Ones that are actually hard and dangerous. I mean, you know, like triple sandbag, a giant, (laughs) like, like 40 foot tall cargo net. That's just like looped to some trees. I want to see some, some like Rocky Balboa, crazy old timer, you know, farm, some real farm stuff. Mm -hmm. That'd Uh, be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking there'd be like, maybe like a lift, like have it be like max, like two rep deadlift. Mm-hmm. you know, as an event that should be one. And then there should just be something that is out power output, like a flat mile or flat 5k. And it should like culminate at like a beast distance or like a, a half marathon trail up, the, up and down the mountain. 
And then they did that, like the, OC, I forget what they were calling it. It was just, it was just like back-to-back obstacles. They were doing that for a couple of years. Remember that? Like they would do it on a different time where it would just be super short and you would just run through the obstacles. Essentially it was like 13 minutes long. Do you remember when they were doing that? I forget what they were called. Oh. It was like when T- it was like when TMX came out, Spartan kind of rolled out this um, event that you could do before or after their big events, and it was just like obstacle specialists. It was just like you would just go through the obstacles really quick. I like that. Yeah, so I can see that maybe like a maybe something like a double sand like that thing they did at Tahoe, where it was uh, a sandbag carry ladder kind of like you you carried something out, dropped it, ran back, carried something back out, dropped it, ran it back. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I want to see some running, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it is going to be like put on all this weird stuff and then and then just like crawl around for a while, <laughs> <laughs> crawl through the mud and run uh, run for 13 hours at the heat of day wearing a gilla suit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hopefully he brings in other people to help with the programming part because um, if this happens, and you know, we were talking in a group chat the other day, and I was expressing some. Uh, I was being very pessimistic because Spartan has tendency to roll things out and make it a big deal. And then when it comes time to, and then they they just don't really come to fruition. Like last year they said there's going to be a stadium world championship. And then they just didn't say anything about it ever again after that. And then they said there was going to be a team world championship. And then it just like, didn't really say anything about it. And even like the unbreakable challenge, right? Like that was online and, and we got involved. We thought it was cool. Like the the leaderboard was terrible. We had no idea what was going on. We didn't know what was like, how any of this made any sense. And it just didn't. And they just were like, "Mm, onto the next thing. Um, And I think this, and I'm, I'm guessing this, that's what this is going to be. But at, when the races first got canceled, I almost had a, um, a sigh of relief. I was expecting that, um, but I was still kind of hedging on my training. Like how, how do I stay sharp for this? How do I prepare for my next race? But, but like with the expectation that it might not happen, um, and how to progress my fitness in an appropriate way that might not be race specific. Um, but now when he rolled this thing out, it's like, it's like, that's all (laughs) over again. Um, so I'm not really sure if I'm going to change any of my plans in terms of my training to, hope this thing happens yeah and to um, you, if it's only you know two three weeks away it's like yeah don't i wouldn't, it, I wouldn't really change anything at this point at this point you can't uh, and and, that, and that's kind of on our end for um you know the quote-unquote pros that are gonna that could potentially be going there i don't know what he's gonna do about like who can come or, or what that what that looks or what that feels like um but for for most of us we're not gonna be racing Right. There's not any races in an obstacle course racing happening, um, Spartan specifically, and pretty much all, all most of the other brands are kind of following suit and just they haven't let expectations of, of anything happen. I know Savage got canceled in Pennsylvania, at least, and I'm imagining it will get canceled in Maryland and um, and any other place where they uh, may be able to do it. So it just kind of poses that question. It's like, OK, what what do we do now? Um Right. And so that's something we want to talk about now is like some different options of what we're going to do and what um, we think you guys should do as well, just so that um, you can have kind of an idea and you can keep getting some gains physically because um, this is unprecedented. And, and we talked about like off air, but you get to a point, the race season kind of dictates how you train, like you kind of build up and then you taper down and then you race hard, you put it all that effort and then you take some recovery time. Um, Typically, that's how it works. But without any big A race, um, where do you go when 
the season is kind of over because now all of a sudden it's over. Um, but you didn't have that big prep or that big payoff that we would typically have. Um, so Josh, you've been doing some pretty cool stuff, uh, in terms of getting some FKTs fastest known times. So I knew after just the last one that you did, um, you were kind of like, okay, now I need to hunker down a little bit and kind of get back on to some speed stuff and, and work in, uh, some OCR stuff. Um, so where, what are you going to do at this point? Yeah, I, there were a couple of things that I wanted to do. And honestly, like you said, I mean, there's a little bit of relief kind of that came with knowing that the, the races are canceled because we just, we really just wanted to know. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's difficult to keep getting tossed around. It's like, oh, okay, are we going to keep building? Do we, do we kind of uh, lo- slow down a little bit here or what? So it's, it's a little bit relieving and it allows me to focus on one more big event for me this year that I wanted to, to work towards because I think it's great that for everyone to have goals. Uh, whether that goal is in the near future or it's in 2021 for the next Spartan season. Uh, but for me, I have one more thing I'm going to work towards. There is a 90 mile trail that goes to the Catskills and it would end up being the longest event that I've ever done. And I, I just love the Catskills and it, this traverses the entire length of it. So that's, that's something that I want to do. I'm looking to do that towards the end of September or early October. So I'll continue to build. Ultimately, I mean, I'm going to be moving an average of about four miles an hour for this thing. You know, so it's really just going to be pretty much easy time on feet, which for the most part really aligns with, I feel like what a lot of us might end up falling into, which is kind of slowing down with intensity and, uh, and, and kind of working on just, just building some easy stuff and kind of letting the systems kind of cool off, not overtax anything and just keep the body moving and, and build back towards this 2021. And that's also, but that's also specific to the race that you're doing. Like you, you're not going to keep, you're not going to start hammering intensity just because you won't be able to handle as much volume and volume is what you're going to need to do a 90 mile trail. Right. So you're, you, you're still planning on changing things and, and moving it directed toward something specific then. Right. 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 Instead of building, doing more like flat speed work, which is what I was going to end up starting to do more of for West Virginia. Um, and like more runnable stuff. Cause I wanted to go to Tahoe and Tahoe was quite runnable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start focusing on, on the mountain stuff, which is really just technical and spending a lot of time on feed there. So yeah, I still have a, an event that I am planning for and I am going to be training specifically for that event. And then once that event passes, then I'm going to end up probably taking just like, I'll probably do nothing for a week, just a week. I'll be pretty beat up from doing 90 miles. And then I'm going to be back to, uh, to yeah, really focused structured building over the course of the next five, six months. And does that mean um, like, so say, so you are still kind of building up, right? And you are going to give yourself that big event in which that is going to take a lot out of you and that you're going to need some some rest time after that, right? Yeah, so we we kind of just touched on this like before we really started the podcast, but we were talking about like the different, where how people are at different places depending on how long they've been doing the sport, where they are at in their physicality right now, their fitness. And uh, for for me, I still feel pretty I feel, I feel pretty young and i feel like i've built quite conservatively and just kind of looking at my history looking at my you know my my training logs and and how my body feels now how my body felt then and just kind of following trends i feel really good in continuing to build perhaps at a slightly greater rate than someone who's been doing this sort of thing for 10 years and is mm. already at the at the point where they're doing a lot and them pulling pulling back a little bit is like still a lot 
Right, right. And that makes sense to, to continue to build on what you have done, right? Um, and that, that makes sense to me uh, and having that plan to kind of build out because it, it is a weird time. And, and having that event happen in September is actually fairly specific to what could have happened um, during the season. Like say if Tahoe was your goal race, then it kind of puts you in a good position to rebuild for, you know, your next race that would be in uh, February or um or or January whenever whenever you're you're ready to to race again, um, yeah, and that's something that I think is important to know. And I'm gonna kind of go the same route. Like if you can, and the one thing that for me, I'm not gonna do or think about doing any events that could potentially potentially be canceled. Um, I'm also not gonna do any virtual races. I'm just gonna do like my own thing, like just something that I know is gonna happen. That's on the calendar. I can circle it. Like this is what is going to happen on this day, no matter what. So, um, for me, I'm thinking, uh, my, I've actually bumped my volume up. So I was actually thinking about just kind of doing a marathon and just like doing it on my own and just like going out. And and if I can find people to do it with me, or if I know of, if I know somebody who's having an event that's super small and they are like, we're going to do this no matter what, um, then I will focus toward that. But I'm thinking toward October ish and trying to build up those miles and train specifically for something like that. So, so um, what's your main motivation behind doing that by it's like, but by continuing to go by putting a goal in front of you and something that's hard and it's going to be taxing. Uh, why that instead of say pulling back or, you know, just saying no to any serious quote unquote serious events because the marathon, mm-hmm. you want to get a good time doing that. You're going to race that. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to race that and I'm, and I'm going to put it all out there and I want to be like wrecked after, you know, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. It's like, I've never, I haven't put anything toward anything of the season. I've trained really hard and I haven't had that big build and that taper to, to see how it's going to present itself on race day. And that's more or less why I want to do this is to experiment and to figure out how I respond to different types of training. And in terms of marathon training, I've never done marathon training where I'm going to be running up like 90, 100 mile, 100 mile weeks, um, and then doing different things that are going to keep me OCR sharp, just like some uphill sprints, some downhill sprints. And that is going to kind of be my basis of OCR training. And then everything else is going to be based around big aerobic efforts, um, you know, like marathon specific type races, like thousands at like half marathon pace, like not pushing the gears all the way down, um, but building it out so I can sustain for a, a longer period of time. And it's just something I, I, I wouldn't foresee myself necessarily doing if I was preparing for something like Tahoe, mm-hmm. um, even though the time domain is going to be almost the same. I'm, I'm sure my mileage will be different. I'll be doing more OCR specific things um, like carry workouts or um, just making sure I'm doing more like compromised running or whatever that is. Um, whereas I think that I can make some really significant fitness gains with just training with big efforts. Um, and so it's a way to experiment more or less, because like, if I'm not going to have any chance to test anything out on an obstacle course race, um, and like there is the FKT kind of thing available to me a little bit. Um, but still the context around it, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. Like it would be cool thing to knock off, but it's not anything that I know would like, what would have worked. So it's just a way to really kind of test out some different type of training and to, to build up and see what happens. That makes a lot of sense. It's like you've put, you've put in a certain amount of work thus far this season and you want to see a payout from that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like I want to see if, if it is working and how I respond to that. And that's something that I would implore other people to do. Like if they have never done things like quarters on the track, like now is the time to try that, to put some sort of phase in where you're working more high intensity. 
or if you haven't ever run six days a week, like now is the time to kind of put that in. So when the season comes back around, you know what has worked instead of just like wiping the board clean and then starting where you had started this year and then building back up. Cause this is like an unprecedented time without having a race to, to see how you responded to training. So you really need to figure out what's going to work or what has worked so that you know what to do next season, because that's typically why we have these big periods of progression so that we can try stuff and then see what worked and then, and try more and then try something else and see what works. So having something there that's definable, I think would be, is, is really crucial for, for, for everyone who's in the same boat, which is pretty much everyone in obstacle course racing. Um, and one thing that I want to steer people away from is taking downtime right now. Um, so like you and I both, our plans are to build up and then, um, hit an event as hard as possible and then be at the point where we need rest. Um, if you did not get into those peak weeks of training, then you probably don't need to take some time down. Um, you might want to, um, just because you like downtime, but it's probably not necessary at this point because you didn't put yourself in a position where you're like overreaching or like kind of towing that line of overtraining or pushing yourself so hard during a race that like mentally you're left exhausted and you need that refresh. So I'd really want to keep people training and going at this point. So Josh, what do you think people should do if they don't have necessarily an event right now? Um, so you and I, we kind of have something specific that we, we can kind of train on. So it makes it a little bit easier in terms of clarity is like what to do. Mm-hmm. What, what would you tell people to do like right now? Like where should they focus? Well, I think uh, time trials are great. If you if you have some time trials or let's say a goal, I think like a fast 5K is a pretty popular one. You know, and uh, I feel like that's also probably pretty specific for most people's fitness, whether they were training for a DECA, for stadium, for, for a super, um, you know, a sprint, a Spartan. So things like that, hit, trying to hit some benchmarks uh, or finding like something around you that excites you, whether that's like a mountain. I like going the FKT route because there are, it's pretty much Strava with a little more, uh, uh, well, a little more validity, a, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to play it. Um, but yeah, you it's you get to compete against other people. You get to kind of see how your training has has helped you out. I I definitely recommend working towards something. You know, I, I have some athletes that are that are going for some time trials. We're pretending that a few weeks from now there's going to be a big race, and that big race is just them doing a little time trial event, mile, five k, ten k. Like I just said, climbing a mountain nearby that they've climbed before, and this time they're going to really go after it. And then uh, and then after that, they'll be like, hey, okay, that went really well, or it went pretty good, or whatever, and. From that, we can infer from the training, okay, things seem to work pretty well. Or, okay, let's try changing things up from there. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the training itself, I feel like then you kind of need to pick a route, right? Like you either can hunker down and focus on some race-specific intensity if you're going to go after something like a 5K, or you can kind of build volume, Um and building volume right now in a sustainable way um, and kind of like sprinkling in some intensity just so that you can kind of build up to a point where maybe you've never been before or again, take those risks a little bit. Like if you don't have anything on the table and maybe having a weekly mileage goal could be a, a thing for people and just seeing how they respond to doing, if they've consistently run 40 miles a week, let's see how you feel if you run five mile, uh, 50 miles a week for a month and then see how you feel and maybe 55 or 56 or 60 for a month. See how you feel out of those. Like your overall speed probably won't get that much better if you're focusing on volume. Um, but you can see how your body responds. You can see how your endurance handles it. You can see how you recover from those things. Um, so I definitely think 
build, this is also an appropriate time to build, um, build volume. And we've talked about volume in the past and how to kind of build things up in your quote unquote base phase. And that's not necessarily what I'm talking about right now. And there, there's like having, and like what you mentioned in terms of being able to build off of what you had after you do this big, long trail race. Like, I think that that's the way we need to approach it and not again, wiping the, the, the board, wiping the slate clean and just starting over from where we were. Um, so building up your in volume is right now, I think is a, a, a really interesting route. And when people, and, and also it's kind of risky to build volume. Like when people get hurt, it's typically when they uh, increase their volume in a short amount of time. And not necessarily maintaining the volume. People don't people won't get hurt if they've run seventy miles a week and then they just maintain seventy miles a week. Once they're there, they're kind of there, um, unless they do something crazy um, with too much intensity in, in that uh, at seventy. But that's a whole different thing. So like now is the time to kind of build up because there is nothing there, and you can you can take time back if if, if like little injury things start to to come up, and then if you get to a place you can kind of maintain and you can take a quick downtime where like where it's one to two weeks of rest and recovery. And then you can get back to where those, those base miles were and that volume that you've built over time. And then you don't have to start from scratch. Um, Cause I feel like that happens a lot. Like people will kind of build up and be at 35, 40 miles per week starting from very low. And then they get through the season and then they just do exactly what they did the previous year and just kind of rebuild to where they were as opposing to, as opposed to continuing to build. Um, so what do you think on, on the, the, the volume route? Well, I like whether you were intentional in saying this or not, but you said, you know, do like 50 miles for a month and then 55 for a month. Um, which is, that's a smooth gain. You know, you're not, this isn't the time to like ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, you know, just like smoothly increasing volume, not rushing it, giving yourself ample time to adapt and see how these things feel because more than anything, I mean, this is a point in time where you're not, you're not trying to rush to get all this fitness in before you get to the starting line. This is just about like, like slowly being consistent and building things up slowly and consistently. I'll say it one, that word one more time consistently you know mm-hmm. this is this is going to be a pretty good size stretch going i mean well it's going to be a good stretch going into 2021 before we really see some races but everyone knows that time really flies by like the weeks cruise by and you either will have been putting in work or you will have not have and it's going to be night and day when when the gates open up again i am dude i'm so excited to see all the athletes out there it's going to be there's going to be a huge discrepancy in the field man i think that there's some people are going to be uh, their fitness is going to be the best that it has literally ever been and i think that there are other people who will have either diminished or or stayed the same you know so there's going to be a few different groups and i'm really excited to see who falls into each of those groups yeah totally and this is also time to test out where your mindset is because that ends up being how you're approaching this and what your level of seriousness is as an athlete. And if you are the one who wants to continue to push things forward, you'll be on the, on the right side of that uh, fitness fence when it comes time for those gates to open again. And doing that is by, and you can really commit to yourself by like adding frequency, adding volume and kind of adopting a lifestyle of endurance training. If you haven't quite gotten there yet, and now is a perfect time to do that. Um, and that 
is and and having that slower approach and being able to maintain things for a while um that's kind of the deal right like if you want to build up to 50 miles and just go back to your 30 miles the next week just to say you did it like that 150 mile week isn't isn't going to do much for you and that 150 mile week that you do it's going to suck it's going to be hard it's going to be outside of your comfort zone because you haven't been there before and then you have to keep doing it and it will get progressively easier it will become part of the norm become part of who you are as an athlete um, which is what I mean by like kind of adopting that endurance lifestyle is like running is first, uh, volume is first at, at this point, and then there will be other things that we can add in later. Um, and I think that that's where people do c- try to cram things in really hard when it comes to the season, because like, oh my God, I need to get faster. Like, how do I get faster now? And they've been doing all this other stuff, trying to prepare for obstacle course races. Well, right now you can just kind of run a little bit more and then see how it fits into your schedule and, and prioritize, prioritize those things. Um, and that's, I wanted to, I looked at this one study earlier today and I was talking about volume versus intensity. And so like, and there is like this, there's two camps, right? The volume versus intensity camps of how you improve your performance. And the study, it was like, it was a German study. It took people and put them in like what would be like crash training. So like four weeks of hard training and they jumped the miles from like 65 to 75 to like 90 to 105. And they found a bunch of their markers. Kilometers or miles? Miles. So they put like, they put a ton of miles on these people in like four weeks and their fitness markers went down. And then they, a year later, they took the same athletes and did that same type of training with intensity and and just did like 400, like two by 400 and worked it up to like 10 by 400. And the, and the results were that the intensity group did much better off 50 miles a week and, and just short bouts of intensity. And like, that makes sense, but like, eventually you're going to need to kind of build on the intensity b- through the training of volume. So there, this was there four sh- weeks, right? Four weeks. Yeah. So I mean like the, the, like the metabolic adaptations for like being able to buffer lactate and stuff, like all of that happens so much quicker than like or the aerobic adaptations. Right. And that's how you get faster for race day is by doing speed work, but by being able to handle the speed work, you need to do a little bit more mileage. And so I think there is a place where you need to do where you have to do both things. And as you're building up your, your volume, I don't think it is 100% necessary to drop all intensity out. Um, but I'm interested to hear what, what your kind of approach would be. Like when you start to build back things up, how, how will you handle volume versus intensity in, in terms of like maybe your base building phase? As I start to build things back up, so coming mm-hmm. into uh, like the end of September, October, whenever the the weather looks nice, and I, I test go after this thing, I'll take a little bit of rest, and then I'll I'll start to get into. I'll probably just do like purely easy stuff and work on running drills. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I really think I'm I'm increasingly drifting towards doing more running drills because running is a skill, and it's I feel like it's easy to fall into a place of complacency where like you, you just run all the time and you, based on your frequency, you think you're getting a lot better and f- no doubt about it. Frequency is practicing and you're going to get much better at running by running frequently. But the running drills, I, I, I really think are going to add a lot and, uh, and I'll probably, I'll probably add in some intensity pretty soon. Not a whole lot of it, just little bouts. I, uh, I really enjoy throwing in, uh, you know, not just the striders, like those short little things, but getting more into like uh, like 30-second sprints, 60-second mm-hmm. sprints. I really enjoy like two minutes on, two minutes off, and really only only accumulating maybe 10% of that entire run at an intensity that's above you know my aerobic 
you know, my, my math, my max aerobic function. And, uh, and that, that'll probably go on for a pretty good while. And then coming into December, you know, maybe after, uh, after, <laughs> after like, like three months, then I'm probably going to start hammering, honestly. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's appropriate. Like if you wanted to take some time to ease back into that volume, I think that's, I think that's fine. But I do think that having some sort of intensity in there that won't interfere with the volume because it's not mutually exclusive, right? Like there's, even when you're doing speed work, you're not doing speed work every day. Like you just can't, like it wouldn't make any sense. Like you need to, to split things up to give yourself time to recover. And I feel like that should be the same when you're building volume. Like it doesn't need to be volume every single day. And you had a, and like, and in, in terms to maintain those gains that you've had, I think that you had a couple good examples of that. I think 30 seconds on, um, like minute off, like, like by eight or 10 is great. Like in the middle of your run, same with like minutes, like eight minutes, eight minutes, like at like a threshold or so like 10 K pace or something like that. And then a minute easy is a good way to kind of mix those things. In. And even doing something like um, short hill sprints, I think would be uh, a, re- a really cool way to kind of work that in as well. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Hill sprints are pretty much uh, or some sort of sprinting. Well, it is pretty much occurs throughout the year, whether it's in the form of like striders and accelerations or like all out sprints, uh, you know, up the hill bounds, those, those will always be in there mm. for sure. Short duration, totally. but that stuff, that's kind of, that goes right along with doing some of these other kind of fundamental quality works, like, uh, like say the deadlifts, you know, mm. it's, uh, it's something that it's, it's more along the, the, the lines of strength and building power that. I almost don't even consider it running like doing bounds. Like this is an accessory strength exercise, power exercise, you know, that I do next to my running. Right. It, it, it should be something completely separate almost that is just very run specific doing the bounds, but it's just not, it's not part of your run. Right. It's like its own thing. It feels um, like its own thing for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's when it comes to keeping intensity in your week, in your routine, I mean, I think you had on Corinne Malcolm and, uh, she, she was talking about, you know, like, I, I believe you, like if you're going to sauna, you have, uh, you have a certain amount of time that those adaptations stick around. So mm-hmm. say you get, say the summer's here, right? We're sweating like crazy. We're getting those heat adaptations, blood volumes increasing as the weather gets colder and we don't raise our body temperature quite so much. Our blood volume and the subsequent adaptations, the increased red blood cell count, those will kind of decrease, but you can keep those around by just going to the sauna. I think it's like once every three days. Mm -hmm. That's what you said. Yeah. And some of these metabolic adaptations are no different. I mean, when you, if you, stimulate the production of lactate and your body thus has to deal with it and buffer it it's going to kind of remember that for a little while i don't know what the exact time frame is i know those adaptations can happen in as short as like 72 72 hours uh, to a week and i would imagine that they would at least stick around for as long so doing something like say uh you know, 30 to 60 seconds of intensity enough where you start to feel a little bit of heaviness in the legs. That's, you know, doing that a few times a week. I think that's, that's going to keep those adaptations around and keep them on deck, which is ultimately going to probably make you feel a bit better when you're doing your longer, easier runs. Totally. And that could be part of these easier runs too. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, warm up two 30 seconds of 30 thirties and then cool down. It could be like, you could do a mile or two and then do the 30 thirties and then do seven more miles, <laughs> you totally. know, like, I and you can build uh, those in the same, in the same way. 
I don't know how you structure them into your, your training. I used to do most of my, like my, my quote unquote quality stuff towards the end of the run. And now I've really enjoyed doing it in the middle. And the reason for that is one, I get a couple miles of kind of warming up. Not a, it's not a specific warm up. I'm just, I'm just running, you know, and then I'm good. Then I just go right into whatever 30, 30, 60, 60, two, two twos. I love all of those. Um, and then for the next portion of the run, cause I'm only going to do maybe 10 reps max of any of those. And then for the next two miles or three miles, I have like this lightness to my legs. They're yeah. just used to going so fast. And now once everything gets cycled out, it's like, whoa, you get to feel that before and after. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on the time of year or what the training, what I'm training for. Like if I was doing, um, yeah, training for DecaFit High Rocks Stadium, I would do, I guess it's something different then. That's a whole different thing. I would usually, if it's a, yeah, I guess it depends. I'm, I'm getting more into like race specificity. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you're keep, if for like, as far as maintenance is concerned, um, it wouldn't really matter beginning or end. I'll probably put it more like in the middle as well, just because for that reason, just to break it up, um, and not to make it feel like I have this thing looming over, over my head. Um, but yeah, I was about to go down a whole different route, but we won't. Um, but, and that's another thing that also that I think is another good way to put in intensity is to add in uh, like progression runs and as a way to not crush yourself with longer tempos and with like threshold intervals. So that would be like ending your run a little bit faster or doing cut down runs um, where your miles get increasingly faster over the last, um, you know, three, four, five miles of your run. Um, a, a good way to kind of get you into that like tempo or threshold pacing without needing to do uh, five miles at, at threshold pace and, and you'll be able to recover much quicker. Um, you'll be able to keep those volume gains going on. So, and I think like right there, kind of what we outlined, just having two days a week where one is, you know, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off by 10 or six by one minute on one minute off and like jogging in between. And then one, one run that is like some sort of progression or uh, cut down run, I think is a really good way to continue to add volume without completely neglecting your speed, because that's something that uh, like you just, shouldn't do like you're a different runner after you've done the speed work you're a different runner you've created adaptations you want to keep those adaptations and keep building so that next time around that you're you're building on a stronger better foundation um what else would you think would, would work in, in that in that realm in, in the realm of just like how to do a week of training i think that that we kind of nailed it on that or is there anything else that you would kind of add in like your if you're continuing to like work on putting in more um more volume I, I guess uh, I'll just I'll just kind of like further vivify the whole picture, and that is because what, what I'm he- like hearing from you is be be consistent, build up your volume smoothly. There's no need to rush right now. The most important thing is to be consistent. Don't fall off the back of the wagon. Stick on and just just gently pick up the speed over over the course of the next several months. Uh, work on on fundamental skills. You don't have to worry about doing super high burner workouts that leave you, you know, super exhausted because that's going to probably mess with your ability to stay consistent. So it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily easing off overall. It's just kind of changing the way you're putting your energy out there. You know, maybe you were working towards a specific event lately and you were doing, you know, eight hours of work a week. And a lot of that was a lot of intensity. Well, just back off the intensity just a little bit, trickle it in here and there and just start upping the hours that you were putting in. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, just making sure that the intensity doesn't interfere with the volume and build that volume. And we talked about frequency on, I think the last episode, and that is something that is huge too. add a day of running, just a couple of miles, just, just add some and adopt that lifestyle a little bit more so that you're, you're prepared to, um, to handle more volume when, <clears throat> and more intensity when, when the time comes. Um, so one of the things I want to kind of do is kind of break it out into like specific runners or specific, um, athletes that, and, and give them more general recommendations. <clears throat> um, and that could be someone who's more new, like a veteran athlete, someone who's coming from a background of like functional fitness, who can handle the obstacles a little bit more, but, but struggle in other places. And people might, who are coming from more of like an endurance background. Um, beautiful. So, so I want to start with just like the veteran OCR athlete and how I would define that. Um, it's like the sport's so new, so you don't need to be doing it that long for me to consider you a veteran in, in this sport. So I would say two to three years, maybe 10 total races. What do you think about a veteran? Well, where does that line up for you? You know, I'm I'm wondering how much of a difference I'm placing between the veterans and the, the elite of the elite uh, because I'm thinking of, you know, top five on the men and women's side, and I'm thinking mm. about the type of things that they're going to – they're going to be doing because they're, I would say more just like the, the person who has done a lot of these races. Um, like it could be age group athletes, competitive age group athletes, or, or anybody who's in like the elite field. Um, people who've done it and who are committed to it, who are, um, this is like their full-time deal. They're they're They have OCR something in their Instagram handle that would count as a, mm-hmm. an OCR veteran. Lots and, of stickers on the cars. I appreciate you people. All the bumper stickers. Me too. Same thing with the bumper stickers. I want to give them a shout, like I'd see with the t-shirt and be like, like while I'm driving past. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spartan should have like a hand signal. Um, (laughs) Let's see. The Senate probably has one. Um, So, and that's kind of the deal. Like someone who, who this is their thing, you know, they are an OCR, they would call themselves an OCR athlete. Um, And I think probably about two and a half, two years, three years would, I think someone would kind of, um, come to the terms that like, okay, I'm doing OCR specifically. And that's why I exercise now. That's why I train. And and someone who has this, I think has, it has things figured out in terms of what they're good at and what they're not so great at. So they might not need specific skill training as much. Um, they understand that grip is important and they've worked on that. Um, they probably have all the required strength to do all the obstacles, maybe not under complete duress. They might miss them at times. Um, but know that they are strong enough already um, and know like kind of what's coming and then like can do them all, uh, but maybe just falter from here, here to there. Um, yeah, they have like those veterans, they have a greater history to pull from, you know, they can, mm-hmm. those, that's the group that gets to go back into that beautiful training log that I hope that they've, they've created over the years and they can really see how things have worked, see the ebbs and flows and the performances of their training and, dial it in further. They have all that history and they get to funnel that into use. And I think there are things that they might be able to go without and also just try to maintain things. Cause over the course of a couple of years, you're like, okay, I need to get better at beater. I need, so I need to work on my bent arm strength, just whatever. Um, and then they've worked on that and they can do that. And it's like, okay, I need to flip the tire. And they worked on the deadlifts are strong enough. Now they can do a deadlift. The bucket carries no problem. Like they don't have anything that's going to like that they actually can't do. Um, so I would argue that they might not even need to do like the compromise running as much in, in this, in this phase, like kind of when they're working on total fitness or even need to be in the gym that much. Like, I think these people need to really, um, take their running up to the next level. And I, 
I mean, I would preach that, but that is something that is going to move the needle the most for them. And I think just working on their all out fitness would be the best time spent because they kind of know how to do everything. They don't need to spend time learning how to um, work on transitions as much. They can do that in a sharpening phase in their bait in their build up that's leading into a race where they can do some compromise running or do some, you know, something that's race, the course specific, like getting on some technical stuff or doing a a deadlift phase to make their back strong enough so they can flip the tire or pick up the bucket or whatever. Um, So I think they're best spent on just like, straight up running what do you think yeah i totally agree i mean ultimately this sport is mostly running you know and uh back to the fundamental stuff again it's like if you can you can lift some things off the ground if you can hold your body from a bar that you're going to be in a pretty good place going into the next season again you can do that sharpening stuff later on moving into uh moving into like the race season and you know maybe that's one month two month three month out as far as uh, you already know my stance on compromise running. It's more of a confidence thing than more mm. than the actual skill. Cause I think that I personally believe that if you work on the two skills separately, they're going to get really good at say carrying a bucket or doing grip switches on a bar, which is going to translate to moving through monkey bars or twister and then running. You'll be really good at running. And then when it comes time to mesh them together, you know how to do them individually. But if you're unsure, if you want the confidence builder, then I, obviously highly recommend doing some compromise running drills where you go between both of those things, but I don't think it's totally necessary. Or if you're on a time crunch, you know, if you are just like, uh, I don't have time to work on everything, then compromise running is kind of cool. Cause like, I'm going to do my strength work while I do my running work and it's going to kind of be race specific. But if you have the time to work on both of those things, like compromise running, like, yeah, it's more confidence and like race, race specific sharpening stuff. I hear you. And I've, it, it is also, it is also kind of fun. So as far as like motivation goes, I mean, sometimes I'll do like some swings, go run 200 meters, this little loop around my driveway, come back in, do something else, run 200 meters. But I'm doing, it's all super easy. The run is like, I'm running nine minute pace, just taking right. little steps, just nice little steps, just to get some easy aerobic stuff between the lifts. It's like, a, it's my recovery and it makes time go by better. So yeah, it, that, that is very, time efficient for sure when it comes to like hammering hammering then it gets difficult to do either movement well you know and then uh, i I think yeah yeah and then i think there are kind of two different uh routes to kind of take this and if someone was like a really efficient um road runner or they came from a road running background uh would you recommend that they get on the trails more often at this time or would you kind of push that back and let them work back on the roads or take this time to improve this skill that they need to, to be on the trails. Uh, I would, I would tap into areas where you need to build on for sure. Um, especially for obstacle course racing, consider the majority of the races are on varied terrain, whether it's a stadium and you have to make sharp turns and go up uh, downstairs. Um, or yeah, you're out, out on the trail. So I think it would definitely behoove someone to, to get out on that specific terrain and start getting the reps in and getting the body really familiar with that uh and like likewise again with some of those other things i mean deadlifting you know if you go out and you start doing your deadlifts right now you're gonna be pretty sore but as the weeks go on you're gonna get less and less sore. your body's gonna adapt to that so it's good to kind of get that that particular movement flowing get it going so that you know how to do it well it's not beating you up anymore it's gets like maybe get some of those things not necessarily i don't know if i'd say out of the way because you want to keep doing them but yeah this is a great time to work on those things that might not make you feel super fantastic. You know, maybe you don't want to, the, the deadlifts leave you really sore or running lots of volume, especially on the trails leaves you a little bit sore. It's like, Hey, we don't have 
a race that you need to be 100% for right now. Mm-hmm. So, so don't, don't be like, Oh, I'm going to take this week easy. And then there's, because there's a race and then, and then guess what? Your next race would have been maybe two weeks after that. So you never, you're never really putting in strong work. It's like once the race season is happening, you're, it's difficult for a lot of people to get in good structured training between, between races. And that's, that's the beauty of what's really happening right now. I mean, think about how many elites are like praying to the race gods that they get this, this like almost, a, I'm going to use the word appropriate season where they did like a race or two. And now they get to actually focus on themselves and build for, you know, nine months to a year. Whereas, the yeah, yeah. Whereas in the past, they had maybe four months to kind of get their shit together, and then they had they had an eight, nine, ten month racing season. Crazy. Where like you can't necessarily build. You always have to be sort of sharp. You always have to be ready for the next race. Um, and yeah, and and for me, that I, I brought up a couple of good points on things that I'm specifically going to do. Like I've been on the trails a little bit more, doing a little bit more time there, getting ready for um some of these races just working on some some fast stuff on trail so i'm gonna use those things kind of like as maintenance like kind of how we talked about our maintenance um speed work while building volume i'm gonna use my maintenance work is gonna be on the trails so like instead of doing um eight by one minute on the roads i'm going to do that on hills and trails like just something that is something that is going to keep me sharp on the skill of things um without killing me and something that not isn't going to be too long or going to put too much weight on needing to be on the trails. Um, but something that's going to leave me, uh, not a huge gap when it's time to start to, to sharpen again. And I like what you said about the deadlifts. That's probably something that I should do as well is, uh, is kind of get back in there and work on the maintenance of strength. Cause, cause strength, those main, those main, those gains maintain for a long time, like real long, not like the, like we talked about like the anaerobic, um, gains and those are those are kind of fleeting those will kind of leave you um but strength gains they last for forever <laughs> so like if you even you just do it a little bit like so that's why if you're already this kind of like veteran uh, ocr athlete i don't think you need to do a full-on strength cycle i don't think it's going to serve you that well um unless you are struggling to flip the tire or something I so i don't i don't necessarily think that you need to be in the gym like three times a week even I think maybe two times a week, even for like 30 or 40 minutes, 30 minutes, I think is going to be plenty. Um, and how about someone like you, like who is on the mountains a lot? Like how would, how would you kind of uh, approach this period? Would you stay, would you stay there? Would you go on the roads at all? What do you think for someone who has more of like that trail and mountain background? So I'm going to be incorporating more roads, no doubt about it. Um, for all, it'll be mostly, mountains going into uh like end september early october but i i have recognized that i need to work on my running economy and i have do want to get in more running on the roads or i should say continue to do more running on the roads and uh and really build on that on that sort of non-technical speed mm-hmm. and I, i'll continue to build on that especially once um pretty pretty much my plan i'm telling you all my secrets all right i'm gonna do mostly uh, mountain stuff going into September. And then once this event that I'm uh, looking towards, once that's over, I'll probably pick up mostly doing some flat running, build up that particular non-technical skill. And then I'll start to, I'll carry that back into the mountains, uh, in like in January and February. And then I'll start, I'll start building up back in the mountains uh, as I get ready for the actual season. Yeah. Bring a new engine in there, you know, create something new and get out there and test it out on those trails. 
So I'm almost excited for, for winter again. One, because it's really hot. And I feel like we as humans, we do that. Like, oh, it's summertime. I want winter. And then winter times around. It's like, oh, it's so cold. I want summer. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, uh, but winter is pretty awesome in the mountains because once some trails get packed down by snowshoes, it becomes like they were once really technical. And underneath the two feet of snow, three feet of snow, there's a bunch of technical rocks, right? But now it's just like a glossy trail that you can bomb. So it's oh, nice. Super, dude, the winter, yeah, the winter trails up here are super fun. Nice. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider that because they wouldn't. There's no snowshoeing around here. They would just become muddy, and it would just be way worse. Um, yeah, nobody would ever go on them. So that I think that that's a great way to kind of approach that, and that's something that I think that would really help a mountain and trail runner is just because they're road adverse. You know, that's like they just don't want to running faster is harder, and that's just like, well, my races are on the trail, so I'm doing race specific things, but you're not preparing for a race right now. So get on the roads a little bit more and get mm. a little uncomfortable with that. And you can amass a little bit more, um, some more miles, not necessarily time, not necessarily volume, more miles, more fast miles, um, doing things to sharpen up your speed. Um, and I think that would be a good way to uh, really go back into the trails with, with a new engine and just seeing how that, how that translates. Totally. And to put that in easier terms for everyone to understand, I mean, what I'm doing is I am mostly building my engine while working on weaknesses. Mm, perfect and what about like a, a a newer ocr athlete someone who is ready to commit to to the process but m- might have a hard time with some of the obstacles um and might not have all the skills required to do well in a race now um or someone who might only is pretty new to running who is coming from maybe the CrossFit gym or coming at like the regular gym, like a regular strength athlete, or who's just like straight up new and wants to, wants to take their like, or play like soccer or something. And now is coming over to, uh, OCR. Like, what do you, where do you think they should spend this time? If it's a, if it's a younger person without a lot of miles on their chassis, uh, and they're, and they're healthy and they're, they're ready to rock. I would say, I would say kind of pick up a little bit more. I mean, definitely build up volume in a, in a smart, healthy manner, but I think I would be quicker to add in some of the other things, especially obstacle course race specific things, because they don't have like the veteran, they don't have the, the background, the history, the skill set really built up yet. So, and if they are able to handle the volume and they're, like I said, they're healthy, uh, I think that they could get away with doing it a little bit more just because they're starting out. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, and I think that that, that makes sense. And I do think this is might be where it's appropriate to just do like a straight up base phase, how I just kind of, uh, where it is just miles, you know, and not necessarily working, worrying about anything that is like what we spoke about before, like maintaining any of those, um, gains that they've had. Cause they necessarily, they might not necessarily ever achieved any type of speed gains, um, because they're just new into this and maybe they were having fun. And so maybe like that 12 week base phase that we talk about sometimes where they're just running miles, um, to kind of build themselves up. Um, and then what did you have in mind in terms of like doing some of that other stuff? Like, like, uh, like, are you talking about doing burpees and stuff or what, what were you thinking? Yeah. I mean, Start out doing the fundamental stuff. Uh, make sure you got like your deadlifts, your pull-ups, and uh, and mm. you're running a bunch. But sooner than perhaps you or I, you know, I would probably after just a a couple months or a few months start to add in a good amount of intensity, more obstacle race specific stuff, right? Whereas perhaps you and I, we already will stick to more of the fundamentals and build on our fundamentals a little more. But we're also a little bit 
further along in the game, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's you get those classic newbie gains, and as you get more towards the peak of your potential, the more difficult and more time it takes to squeeze out those extra few percent. Mm-hmm. While this person early on, they're not really trying to squeeze out those extra few percent yet. And, and it's in that range where I think burnout becomes a little bit more likely dangerous overtraining because you already have so many miles under your belt and you're mm-hmm. really working hard to squeeze out the last few percent. So this person who's just starting out, you're going to get those newbie gains. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't, you'll, you, you can work hard, but you're not going to have to absolutely kill yourself to get a lot of gains. Uh, so do a bunch of work and, uh, and, and yeah, follow a good progression, whether you, you know, it's something you find from uh, a coach or through literature that you, you've picked up. It's just, uh, do things, do things smart, do things smart. Yeah. Cause you can get pretty good at a lot of these things pretty quick, um, by just, just making yourself a little bit more familiar with them. And it's funny how you kind of put it like that the more advanced obstacle course racer should folk can focus more on the fundamentals because they need to sharpen Sounds the twisted, skills. Right? <laughs> it does sound twisted. Whereas like the er- the earlier, newer person can kind of work on just like the more s- specific parts and just blending it all together. And like, it would probably help them um, just as much. So before, so that they understand like where their weaknesses are and what they need to work on as they become a little bit more advanced. And, and like, uh, like I mentioned before, like the building volume is where people get hurt. Um, so I think that people this is a really good place for newbies to work on things like drills. Um, like you had mentioned before, Josh, and like having those things ingrained in them. Um, so what kind of drills would you have people kind of run through when it comes to like running specific drills or having someone like learn the skill run through, run through them skills. I like that. Uh, I think jump rope running is great because it's going to help you work on really good foot placement right and coordination so i think that those things are really important that's pretty it's pretty simple uh i'm a pretty good fan of cadence work i also like um uh like uh, like single leg like single leg hopping drills right and so it helps again it's like foot placement foot's right underneath you the action of your like your knee and your hip so not really not really super technical stuff uh i mean you can get into uh, you can get like side to side hops and again it's really just working on coordination keeping your foot underneath your center of mass and getting used to that feeling. Cause I think that one of the more common things when it comes to running improperly is your foot just doesn't really land under your center of mass. And that's where like injuries, injuries can start to happen. Like whether it's your, the angle of your tibia is improper, you know, your, the way your foot hits the ground and uh, you're just not gliding smoothly forward. So ultimately I think if you can get a good foot strike and you can keep that foot right underneath you, you're going to have a healthier landing and ultimately like a healthier running career. So really just those things to keep it pretty simple. And then uh, if I can get a visual on them, I'll take a look and see what their legs are actually doing. It's, it's kind of difficult to like tell people what to do because they need to see it. So like getting a videotape or, uh, or being on a treadmill next to a mirror, uh, ultimately like I think videotaping or getting someone to videotape you is the best way. And there's lots of awesome videos online that can help you out with this, but yeah, running, you know, just kind of being more so intentional with how you are running as far as how your foot leaves the ground, what your arms are doing, your posture. So just checking in on all of those things. And ultimately that the drill is within tuning in to those things that are happening with your body. Yeah. And I, I think that you're right on when you're talking about the cadence work, I found that that's just the easiest thing. And it's like the best way to get feedback, right? Like is 
having like a metronome or some music that's playing at 180 beats per minute. If you're at a metronome, you could set it to 90 and just focus on one foot because you're getting exact feedback where if you're just kind of like out trying to practice your cadence a little bit quicker, you don't really know if you're doing it right. You don't know until like the run's over. I think you can set on, on Garmin. I think there is a cadence option that you can see how that's Mm -hmm. going. So that's a way to kind of get some feedback, but then you'd have to constantly look at it. Um, Whereas if you have something there beeping or, or, or just letting you know when you're off that like specific cadence where you'd want to be, it's a little bit quicker. Um, I think that's really helpful. And jumping, jumping rope or just even running in place or running, doing really short or like running and like leaning up against the wall and like having your cadence um, kind of be underneath you is a good way to like, there's a bunch of things when it comes to running form that kind of all need to work together. But if you're not, if you don't have the cadence, right, like everything is else will won't work as well either. So I think cadence is actually the best place to start with that. Um, and, and I, I highly can- recommend a jump rope because the cool thing about the jump rope is you kind of enact the pose method where you aren't, you, it's a really subtle heel lift towards the butt and you kind of like drive with the knee. Whereas when we run, a lot of us get a little, and I'm, I used to be very guilty of this. I was very hamstring dominant and I would kind of sweep my leg back and really use my hamstring to, to push, to, to pull my foot behind me and then lift it. Whereas I wasn't really using my, my glutes and my quads as much and then just driving with my knee. So when your leg comes forward, you can, you can like, if you watch someone do it, you might look like they're actually using their hamstring to curl their heel up towards their butt. But really more, more so what they're doing is when they push off, they're just like lifting their knee forward. And mm-hmm. depending on how fast their legs are turning over and how fast they're running, that heel will just lift up naturally. But the hamstring is like actually in a pretty relaxed position. So I think that I think that jump rope running, whether it's in place or moving forward at a, like a, a slow speed, really helps foster that sort of uh, that motion, that habit. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it's like your, like your hamstring, like you are pulling it a little bit, but it, it is all kind of working together. And so it should be relaxed. And also your hip flexor should really kind of stay much more relaxed. Like you shouldn't have this big, crazy activation like you're like when you're doing like high knees or something. It's just like a subtle lift of, of that knee to kind of have it pointed toward the ground. And you can work on that with with the jump rope for sure. I think that's a great call. And yeah, and being able to work on the, the proprioception of things like where how you're landing it, and then like thinking about activating your glutes and like where where your foot and what's actually happening with your foot and knee and ankle. Um, it's hard to do that on the run mostly because uh, most of us aren't that aren't skilled enough to run in a, a footwear that is going to feel good and you're going to be able to feel that. So doing that with drills, maybe even like barefoot and like feeling it, like a lot of single leg stuff so that you are able to learn where your body is and where you're uh, like how to control it um, is definitely a skill that we've lost. We, we very much have lost. So those type of drills, I think, are, would be important in that respect. Yo, have you – don't jump rope barefoot, though. Have you ever jumped roped barefoot? No, I would imagine that would suck. It's if you hit terrible. the rope, the rope hits oh, your foot. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, don't it's do not that. A idea. Don't recommend it. Definitely don't do that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think drills is, is a great place for that type of a beginner who's just kind of getting into this just so that they – lay a good foundation down um or if you've never done drills like if you're running if you've been running for a long time and you've just never done drills i think that you should try them just to see how that can improve um your efficiency and your and and your proprioception because it's like you don't know what you can't feel and and i think that's what a lot of runners end up happening what happens to them is that they just forget how it should feel and how to activate certain things and just going through these drills and like like really 
focusing on them or focusing on your cadence. That happens to me. If I fall asleep on my cadence, it will slow down a little bit. Um, so I need to be kind of present with that a couple times during my run um, and check and make sure everything checks out after. Um, yeah. But having, having those type of things to check in on and having and developing those skills, I think is important. Um, yeah, man, like, like you just said, right. You, you can't act on what you like. You can't feel it's like, we don't, you don't know what you can't feel. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. So I, I can't recommend more to, for everyone to give, take the time for themselves to like study some running, watch, watch the YouTube videos. Like I said, there's a, there's a lot of good ones out there, you know, uh, videotape yourself, get into that. And so you can make the connection between how things feel and how they look. Mm. Totally. Um, yeah. So I think that'd be a good spot. And one thing I do want to uh, just, I think across the board, I think is something that we should all do is to stay sharp on is, is carries. <laughs> I think carries, um, I think people can get taken away, can go overboard on carries. And I think that, um, but I think those are gains that should be maintained throughout so that you're not starting from scratch. You don't do too much carry work. Do you? I don't. Um, I mean, when I was work doing tree work, I was pretty much deadlifting and doing front carries all the time. So that kind of stuck, that's kind of stuck with me. So it wasn't really as necessary for me just based on my line of work. Um, however, as far as moving forward and not really being in that line of work anymore, I really enjoy just the utilization of the kettlebell uh, for Mm -hmm. a couple of reasons. One, you know, goblet squat, right? You're holding that in. That's, you get some awesome, uh, so your, your back's really involved in that. But I mean, with the, with the swings, the way that you're working your grip, and the amount that it, you, you know, that it uh, gets your posterior chain going, I think that that's going to translate super duper well to carrying something around. Totally. Yeah. So doing some sort of kettlebell work, I think would be really be helpful for the the carries. I think I'm going to keep a carry workout in there like once a month. Just what are you going to do? It's going to be whatever I'm basing it around. So it would be, so if I'm focused on a marathon, I w- it would be part of my marathon workout. But like after some intervals, I would pick up a sandbag and run with it for a little bit. <laughs> you right. know, that, that, that would be, it was like, I did one the other day. It was, it was three by two mile, um, descending pace. And then I would just carry it. And then it would be a quarter mile sandbag carry after the two mile, um, just to work on different levels of, of fatigue, uh, and how that feels and how it feels later in a workout as opposed to the beginning of workout. And then where I net needs to kind of be sharpened up, um, down the road. Um, so, so it's, it's just, also just, good. That's good. Like mental toughness work. It's good grit work. Like the bags uncomfortable on you. You're like already dying after the workout. That's good. That's good. Mental toughness shit. That's good. To keep and you can too. always, you can always go a little bit faster with the bag and you kind of choose to go slower. That's kind um, of a, that's a funny truth. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Like how I was running with the bag after that first two miles at the slowest pace that I had run was running. And based on the last two miles at the faster pace, like my carry was so much worse <laughs> just based on fatigue. And because I just didn't fucking want to, I wanted it to be over. Um, but yeah, so doing stuff like that, just adding it into the, the specific work that you're doing, even if you're doing, if you're doing like hill sprints, then just do some, sh- like a short carry after, um, but make the focus of the, the carry workout, the actual aerobic or anaerobic benefit that you want to get out of it, but then just pick up the, pick up the bucket or the bag and just, do it right pick, after. Pick up the bucket and do it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have any, any anything um, race specific, but I would just do it just to stay sharp because when you think about it, man, like your carries, it's like the second longest thing that you're doing out there aside from running. 
right? Like that's where you can lose the most ground if your if your carries are bad. Um, all right, cool. So that kind of wraps it up as far as like what some things that you could do in terms of training. I mean, there's endless amounts of uh, directions you can take this these next couple of weeks, but really important, just keep training, keep working to get better. Um, it's not the time for downtime. You're you probably were not preparing for your peak race. And if you were like, you didn't get a chance to taper and then do it, maybe just bring things back down to the maintenance volume that you were, and then reassess after two or three weeks of that. If you want to build up that volume or where you want to take it. Um, any last notes? Nah, man, Rich, dude, that's it, man. We get to relish in this, in this opportunity to have uninterrupted building on uninterrupted training. It's going to be awesome. It's pretty awesome. And that's the thing. Like, when I'm out there killing myself, I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I doing this? I'm like, oh, it's just way cooler. It's just much cooler to be out here and be fit than to not be fit. Now, being not fit sucks. Being fit is cool. Dude, that's actually <laughs> – I, like I like the way you put it. Being fit is cool. Yeah, I mean right right now, man, I've been having conversations with people who are having difficulty finding motivation uh, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But it's like anyone that's listening that's out there – getting after it still like you're being a model for everyone else totally yeah like and then and then like we've mentioned before it's like who's gonna who like what's gonna separate the people who are gonna come into this next year um and what's and what's gonna keep the people behind and and really like your race it's only just a a, a vehicle to push yourself as hard as you can and at the at the core of this thing why we're racing why we're training it's to to do that to find out what kind of potential we have and to find out what we can do when we put our efforts 100% behind something. And it doesn't change anything because there's not a race. Like we're still in it for that purpose to better ourselves and to become better examples for the people around us. And like that shouldn't be squandered because we don't get a medal after it. Like we're still out here doing everything we can just to, to make ourselves better and to push ourselves as much as possible. Dude, I think it was, uh, I believe it was Socrates, at least as far as Plato says, he says something along the lines of what a shame it is for a man to not fully understand and express and feel the capabilities of his body, you know, or her. Right. But ultimately it's like, we're, we're a human. We have this body thing on this physical planet. It's like, what the hell, what the hell is the point of it? Right. See what it can do. See where it can take you, you know, to the top of a mountain is there's this rarefied air. You know, it's, 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 it's fun to do this stuff, to take yourself to these ultimately unique places. If you looked at the, 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 the grand picture of the condition of a lot of people on the planet, one, we have a lot of freedom to do things here. And, and two, with, well, within that freedom, we can express to our body and get, get ourselves fit and healthy so we can go to these places. Nietzsche said, right. The man who climbs the highest mountain laughs at all tragedies, real and imaginary. So it's mm. like through this, through this discipline and through working with ourselves, whether it's a metaphorical mountain or a real mountain, it's like everything else is just more manageable. So if you're feeling like down about what's going on in the world right now, this is, this is how you can take control of your life. Being disciplined, at work, staying cool and fit. And that's like ultimately what we're doing. If you're like, you're listening to this and you're, you're invested in your training a little bit, like you want to feel that. And there's no reason for you to not. So I think that that, that by itself and, and having that reminder um, should be enough to continue to train and to continue to, to push things forward. All right. Um, I think this is where you should do the outro with the James Brown song. I feel good. Should we do that? 
You should do that. I'll see if I can get that. Those the rights to that the, that music. So might be, we might need to start. We'll need to start a Patreon to to get the music for that and have it for like several years. Um, but you just what you do? You just did it. Another pretty cool FKT. FKTs every freaking day. <laughs> uh, pretty freaking hot, dude. It was literally the hottest thing I've ever done in my life. I've never felt so hot. Hot. Uh, yeah, so me and uh, Steve, or Steve and I, we went out to Connecticut. We started at like the New York-Connecticut border and ran the Appalachian Trail to the Massachusetts-Connecticut border. So we tried to set the, the fastest time for the Connecticut section of the Appalachian Trail, which we did successfully. We shaved off like 52 minutes or something like that. Nice. Um, dude, it was, I mean, it was awesome, but it's one of those, it's one of those weird things. I mean, you know, it, it sucks. Like the day started out, you could feel the heat, the sweat is leaving your body because it's 98% humidity with no wind. You're like, wow, this is, this is going to be rough. You know, it's like uh, 20 miles in, 30 miles in, you're like, holy shit, it's not even half, you know, halfway there. And it, it's it's cool to see where where the head goes and all the things that that come to mind. It's funny. I was trying to uh, justify why people do ultras, right? Because it seems like a ridiculous, unhealthy thing to do. It like beats the body up and whatnot. But I, what I paralleled it to was people who go to say like Costa Rica or Peru or something to do say a. Uh, uh, ayahuasca ceremony, right? It's like this big thing. They go out there to get this crazy experience and like bring on, bring on these feelings and dive into these places their body that they haven't gotten before. I'm like, yo, you can go run for 10 hours and get something not the same, but pre- pretty similar. I mean, you go to some new places, new thoughts come in, you experience new emotions and all that. So it was, uh, I really appreciate the, the experience, uh, every time, even when it's really painful, it's, uh, Kind of like I just said, you know, climb the highest mountains, you laugh at all tragedies, real and imaginary. It's like after running for 10 hours, like pfft, all that suffering, all that voluntary suffering, you're like, man, nothing's really bothersome. You know? <laughs> we're, we're all good here. You came out a different person. That's pretty cool. Uh, a more chafed and sore person. <laughs> Dude, I wore my vest for the first time this weekend and I did a two hour run and I was chafed as fuck. I have like, I'm bleeding on my chest. Is there a Dude, secret behind this? I got, Steve brought nipple band-aids and I was all about that, man. I, I put on nipple band-aids. That was super clutch. Like a Were you proper, wearing a shirt under yeah, it? Yeah, I had a you proper wore... tech shirt, Pearl Izumi. It's actually like a duathlon shirt. So it has like the little bike pockets in the back that I had mm. fruit snacks in. I had nice. fruit snacks back there. It was nice. Yep. Were you worried because it was so hot? Were you like, oh, people die sometimes in the heat? I like, I, I knew for sure we weren't going to die, but at mile maybe 20 or 25, I realized like, hey, dude, my I'm feeling in unique ways, but based on what I've read and like the research, I know that this is the heat. My head was was like pumping. Like my heartbeat was really heavy in my head. And my head had a lot of pressure in it, and I, I wasn't, wasn't really sweating, and I just – it's weird, like – but my heart rate wasn't really high. It was, it was strange. And the, the, the amount of heat I was feeling in my body and my, my thoughts were getting jumbled. Like we'd go to, we get somewhere and I'd go to speak and be like, the words came out pretty all right, but like, they weren't really good. They weren't really clear. And I was like, and so yeah, it was just hot. It was hot out there. <laughs> it seemed like it was really hot. I'm glad you got it done. Another FKT. And you successfully defended an FKT against Aaron Newell. Which is pretty that, cool. This is true. 
This is true. When I saw him coming for Devil's Path, I felt for you. I was like, oh, man. Aaron's going to try to knock them all out while, while he's out here. I am. I'm so excited. Him and I talked, and we both said like the same thing, which is that there we want a reason to do like trails around us again, but we already have the speed record on him. So we won't. So like he has a great range. He has a bunch of trails up in the Adirondacks that he's got. And he just like wanted to go tackle something that he didn't have yet. I was like, well, hell yeah, man. Like come, come do devil's path, beat that. And that's going to give me a reason to go back. So I'm really, I'm really excited for them to, uh, to tackle it again and bring it down, make it a more competitive route. Yeah, totally, man. Um, well, congrats on hanging on to it, even though congrats you would have gone back and tried to got, do it again. I guess that's kind of the game, right? That's when the game, wanna... man. I love that's that. Cool. Pat. I'll, we'll go back and I'll, I'll crush it again, dude. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh, it keeps the fire burning. Totally. Um, well, nice. Are man. you going to yeah. go for that thing? Are you going to go for that thing in your in your neighborhood? That twenty-two mile or whatever? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I said I on a previous I episode want, I said it was like nine hundred feet. It's, mm-hmm. It's like it's like two thousand feet over twenty two miles, something like that. So it's still not a ton, but it's like rocky. Yeah, if, if I like my miles are up right now. Like I'm I'm on track for a hundred miles this week, so that is where I'm going to try to be for a couple of of weeks. Like like we mentioned before, it's like I'm going to build and then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep it. And so right now Damn. it's uncomfortable. Right now it sucks mentally because I'm like, fuck, another run that needs to be like. 12 miles another run needs to be this many miles like trying to keep track like there's no room for error right now so like that's annoying but next week it'll be better because i'll be into it a little bit more um but i figure like yeah if i'm marathon training doing 100 miles a week like i should have the volume but again it's just a matter of staying uh sharp on those trails so i'm gonna have to mix a little bit trail work what's what's your goal do you have like your course set do you know what your goal time is for the marathon Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I was talking to uh, Mark Audet about it and he said he knows somebody that might be putting together like an official race, but it's gonna be super small. Um, mm. So like it kind of counts, it'll be on Athlinks, we can count on it happening. Um, and I don't know, man, my, my PR is 242, which isn't great. And it was a couple years ago, and it was a really short buildup. Um, I'm happy with it. It's I've only done two. Um, but I think I could run under 230. Um so something in that round, like, like if I could hold two, like five thirty fives, I think that's a two, uh, twenty four or something like that, which would be at the very, very, like far out, like dude, that's bonkers. What's your half yeah. PR? I don't really have a half PR. Mm-hmm. I've never raced a half. Um, but like, a, like from where my like five k and where my ten mile was. Like that's kind of how that projects out. That's why I just need to get volume. That's why I just need to get more race specific. I need to work at running under fatigue. Like most of my speed work is going to be done um, at the back end of runs. You know, like I'm gonna, my warm up, my warm ups are going to be 12 miles, and then I'm going to start doing speed work stuff. You know, um, just to get specific, ready for that type of specific stuff. So that's fun. That's a cool goal to have. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's something, uh, and I'm, I'm excited for it too. Just to feel uh, how shitty my legs feel every day, and just continue to make them feel shitty until uh they don't mm-hmm. stay, stay in touch with yourself yes um cool well we appreciate you guys for listening if you uh appreciate us for talking we'd love for you to drop us a review um five stars would be great if you feel like it's worth five stars that would be awesome five um stars. Five, stars. five stars five stars all around uh but cool well, josh where can the peoples find you uh, I am located through the internet on the Instagram, J-A underscore S-H-U-A underscore R-I-E-D. Paces. <laughs>